And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Friday, January 28th. Oh, yes. Coming to the end of the month. And uh, the only thing I'm looking forward to is this weekend and football. Although, as Mark and I were just saying, I mean, last Sunday's action is highly unlikely to be matched. I just don't think it could happen. The whole change the rules about overtime, I think that makes sense. But, you know, you can't let them back in the game, guys. Come on. Can't let that happen. Anyway, I digress. I'd love to talk to you guys about football all show, but we are a financial show. We're here to take the mystery out of your financial life. We do that by answering your questions. And if you've got a financial question, just go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click on the contact button, and you'll see a form come up and it will ask you whether or not you want to come on the program with us. We encourage you to do so. That would be wonderful. If you don't want to, we'll do email segments every now and again. Today, we are doing one of those segments because Mark likes me to help him empty out the email box. And so we could do that. First question, Mark, this is a funny subject. Bonds versus rental income. Reality check? (laughs) Okay. Barbara says, I am confused about bonds. About the only thing I know is about corporate bonds, kind of. That's it. Help me understand if I should be in bonds and what kind. A bond is a loan. You are making a loan to a municipality, right? You can make a loan to a state, to a city, to the federal government, and to a company you get compensation for making that loan. So let's say I make a loan to the United States government. I do that and I say, I will lend you U.S. government money for two years, for 10 years, and the government will pay back a fixed interest rate, right? So right now, let's just say it's 1.7, 1.8% for a 10-year period, all right? That rate is fixed, which is why we call bonds fixed income. You get a fixed amount of income coming in. Even though there are so many people who are very worried about bond prices going down, as a long-term investor, one of the helpful aspects of bonds is that fixed component that you know where you get, you're getting a certain amount of income from that product. And so that can be helpful in tempering 
any price movements. And it can be helpful to have income flowing into your portfolio when maybe you have a stock portfolio that's acting a little differently. Okay. Now, the the idea is should you have bonds in your portfolio? I would generally say sure. What kind depends on where these bonds reside. If it's in a retirement account, it could certainly be a corporate bond. If it's in a non-retirement account, it could potentially be in a municipal bond. There are no taxes due when you are paying when you get income from a municipal bond. But if it's a different kind of bond, like a corporate bond, and you hold it in a taxable account, the interest you receive is taxable. I like having some bonds. They just act a little differently than stocks. Even if they go down in value, you're not going to get a collapse. The worst year in the bond market, I think, was 1994. And in that year, I think the price of bonds was down 3.5% or so. And it's nice to have that income. And if you own a bond fund... When you receive the income and your and prices go down, you're re, you're you're purchasing new shares at lower prices. If you own an individual bond and you hold it until it matures, the price fluctuation between the day you own the bond and the day it's redeemed doesn't matter to you. You're just collecting your interest along the way. So that's kind of the bond basics. I think it's good to have them. It would depend on what else is going on in your life. The question of can my rental income be in lieu of bonds? No. I don't think so. They both create income, but I think that rental income is, you know, you've got a different asset class. That asset class is called real estate. And in that case, I think what's important to know is that clearly the interest rate environment will impact real estate, but so too will inflation and so too will supply and demand. I understand the idea of having rental income because it's income, but rental income is not fixed. And the asset that underlies it is not a promise, but a hard asset. So I don't think, I don't think I would do that. This is from, I'm just going to say A, because it's a, it's a somewhat sort of kind of unique name. So A says, I'm going through a divorce and I'd love your thoughts about what I should do with the house, especially in today's market. Should I buy him out? Should we sell and split the proceeds? It's uh, worth about $400,000. There's a $275,000 mortgage. Okay. If I refi to buy him out, the new mortgage balance would be $335. It's still cheaper than a lot of houses out there and monthly payments would be comparable to monthly rent. The house does need some work in the long run. I do worry about being house poor. I also worry I'm making an emotional decision instead of a logical one just because I truly love the house and the neighborhood. Okay. A turns 30 in a few months, earns $94,000, has 10 grand in savings and 40,000 in the 401k. Mark, what do you think about this? I'm of two minds. Number one, it's okay. You're young. And so I know a whole lot of your net worth is in your house. That always is the case. It really is. You know, you don't have a lot of money and you don't have a lot of money saved and it would be awfully nice to have that lump sum of money. I don't know. I'm of two minds also. What do you think, Mark? Yeah. Mark says he's leaning about uh, to sell it and take the money. Let's say that, you know, with all your closing costs and paying off, you know, whatever bills, you end up uh, taking $50,000 out of this house each. Okay. Then you've got, you can beef up your savings and you keep, I would just keep that money. You only have 10 grand in savings. You didn't mention any debt, but in case you have any debt, that would, you'd be able to take care of that. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure I'd want you to like buy out 
this house, this mortgage with the idea of being house poor and having some of your opportunities kind of clipped and you're so young. So I too am thinking sell. I guess you could change my mind if you told me that, you know, you have a much greater trajectory in terms of earnings potential going forward. Yeah. Mark wants to sell and rent for a while. I, I, I tend to be that, that person as well. Um, I think not having the obligation can be very helpful. I really do. So anyway, follow up with us. You are a friend. You're a child of a friend of the show. So we'll do pretty much anything for you. Okay. All right. This is from Timothy who writes, love the podcast. It was number one on my Spotify rewind. Oh, that's so nice. Timothy says, I know you and Mark say all Roth all the time, but I'm wondering, do you still recommend that in conjunction with a mega backdoor Roth? I'm 31 years old, live in a high cost of living area, California. Oh my God, 31, this dude is making three hundred dollars to $350,000 this year. If I max out my pre-tax 401k and add $30,000 of after-tax contributions, which would be the mega backdoor Roth, would you still recommend doing a Roth 401k? It seems using a pre-tax 401k would help me balance between Roth, non-Roth, and potentially help me save the full amount in both. What do you think, Mark? Mark still wants it to be all Roth. That's interesting. I, I, I presume that you're, you're single. Mark, he's in the 35% tax bracket. Taxes are pretty high in California. I could do both. I mean, I'm happy splitting the difference. Mark wants you to do all Roth because you're in the 35. You're not lowering your tax bracket to get somewhere else. You're just, you're in the 35% tax bracket because you're single. And that's sort of the way it is. Mark, Mark. Uh, says that that's it's fifty grand a year in Roth money. You're going to be so happy that you will know that you won't have to take a mis- minimum required distribution. That you know you really will feel you'll feel much more sure about your tax situation. I'm kind of okay with either way. I really am. Mark says no. He's going on Roth. Uh, David writes. I recently started listening to your podcast after I received an inheritance from my uncle. You know what, Mark? We should have like a little arrangement with estate planning firms. They're reading the wills and they say, now go listen to Jill on money. But I'm glad you're a listener and thank you and welcome. Okay. David says, my husband and I are both in the low income bracket. We uh, qualify for property tax and public transportation assistance as well as assistance with utilities. I'm earning almost nothing right now from my massage business. Oh, God. Can you imagine? That's not a business that does well in a pandemic. My husband doesn't make much either. We've gotten by. We both have IRAs with a total of $220,000. Holy smokes. That's awesome. And they own a small condo. No car, no kids. They live simply. They've got a mortgage of $47,000, which was to cover a large assessment on the building. Okay. Holy crap. Uncle left him $225,000 a month ago. Okay. What's the best thing to do with the money? Keep something to live on, pay off the mortgage, invest the rest, buy a small, do not buy a small rental property. Oh, wow. Mark, do you see the mortgage rate? 4.375. I'll tell you what, because they're not high earners, I think what they should do, first things first, I don't know how much money you really need to live on. You need to have money in safe assets, right? Right now, you need to have an emergency reserve fund. So I would put a year of your expenses set aside. Let's presume that that's 50 grand, Mark, just for the heck of it. All right, 50 in emergency reserves. 
Let's take 50 and pay off the mortgage. I'm fine with that. This is one of those cases where I think paying off the mortgage could make sense for them because they don't want to have an obligation and it's small. And uh, you know what? I I think that you're going to be happy not having that obligation, especially with low income. So I've just burned up a hundred of the 225. I guess the only other thing is that they would, if they both have IRAs, they can make their contribution to their IRAs for this year. They could have a very simple investment portfolio, very simple. And when I mean simple, I mean also not heavy duty risk. You didn't say how old you are. I mean, they have enough money that I would imagine. I wonder if they're in their like 40s. That's my guess. They own a condo and they've got 220 grand. I'm thinking 40. You think older? You think 50s? Yeah. So maybe what I would say is just a very simple balanced portfolio with the rest of the money. The best thing that I could tell you is that if you go to a Vanguard, a T. Rowe Price, a Fidelity, and you had, you know, we've now burned up a hundred of the money. So you have $125,000. I mean, you could essentially take half of the money and put it in risky stuff, mostly U.S. stocks, some international, take the other half and have a little bit of money market just in case, have um, a very boring intermediate term bond fund and call it a day. I would really take it easy on the risk. I don't know what you're going to really need and you don't know what you're really going to need. And I don't know what, like, I don't have as many details from you guys about kind of what the real trajectory is. And that's what I would do. That's a Friday in the can. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are so lucky to have you and we know that. So we're very grateful. If you go to our website, jillonmoney.com, you should bookmark it and you can very simply bookmark it and then always know that you can get the contact button if you've got a question. Sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Check out all the content that we're writing. Um, You know, it is tax season. I have a long post that's um, in the blog section about tax season and some resources and hyperlinks to things you need to have. So definitely check that out. You know, I I think that most importantly, as the markets are gyrating and moving around quite a bit, if you're feeling jittery, don't do anything except send us a note. And if that's something that you are, you know, really worried about or you're about to do something really nutty, you know, make it like an emergency, like I'm about to sell everything. I'm scared. Crapless. We'll get you. We'll get you answered. Okay. I promise. But remember, you're long-term investors. We've been through this. We've been through this. Two years ago, we went through this, right? We had a big sell-off. Everyone was nervous. You're a long-term investor. You should stick to your game plan. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Try not to be reactive. The proactive thing you can do is to sit still. That's what you can do, okay? Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. We are distributed by Cadence 13. And we would like you to put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Just try to do something nice. Think about somebody. Send a text. Send a note. Be in touch with people. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.